Welcome to the Season 8 premiere of Monsters Among Us. My handle is Derek Hayes. Tonight, we're going to kick off this season with quite a bang. Because this evening, all the calls we will be hearing were experienced by truck drivers. But before we hit the road, I want to mention that I will be hitting the road myself soon. On September 7th and 8th, you can catch me at the 2019 Crypticon in Lexington, Kentucky. In addition to seeing me, you can expect to see familiar faces such as Dr. Jeff Meldrum, Bobo and Cliff from Finding Bigfoot, and the Mountain Monster guys. Now as if all that wasn't enough, I will again be hosting the town hall meeting on Saturday afternoon. So stop by the Cryptic Crate booth and be sure to say hello. Now, for tonight's special program. There are a group of people across this country that are somewhat unsung heroes. They transport your goods, your foods, medical supplies, important things to keep our society running. Of course, I'm speaking of long-haul truckers. They're an observant group. They're a group that notices things because their lives and jobs sometimes depend on it. So it's through their windshield that they've experienced countless odd occurrences and strange happenings. Glimpses of something crossing the road in front of them. A truck that was riding on their tail for hours, only to simply disappear into the fog. Or that hitchhiker that you know you just shouldn't have picked up. Tonight, I'm going to play a handful of calls from the select group. So hit those high beams kick it up a gear, crank up the volume. It's time for us to hit the road. And we're going to kick things off from the Missouri-Kansas state line. The following is Kareen's submission. This is Kareen. I really love your podcast, but I thought I'd leave a story for the Behind the Windshield. I was driving truck in 
2010, probably between August and October. So it was nighttime. We were on the border of Kansas City, Missouri, in Kansas City, Kansas. The Missouri River runs through the middle of that, and we were going to drop off a trailer on the Missouri side. So we went, and as we were driving, there was four super bright star-looking lights in the sky, and they were in the shape, a perfect shape of a square. And they started coming down super fast. It almost looked like a plane was going to come directly at us and crash. And I remember looking through the windshield from the passenger side, and I was scooting back almost in anticipation that a plane was coming straight at us. And the lights just kept getting brighter, and they broke apart into, there was four, so I'd say about eight, perfect brightness throughout all of them. They ended up going and transforming into a perfect diamond shape from the square shape, and then they just kind of looked like, as if you were looking straight on at a diamond, it kind of went directly flat, so all the lights were lined up in a perfect line and they just went straight down exactly perfect line no bright dot was out of place and it creeped me out so bad so i wanted to go investigate and it looked like it had went directly over the river so when we got back on the kansas city side of kansas we were at the truck stop and the river went right past the back of it. So I got out right as soon as we parked and I ran over onto this clearing of this little hill where you can see the river. And it shocked me so much. I almost started having a panic attack because there was a perfect square shape where the water was perfectly flat. There was no ripples, there was no waves, any sort of disturbance in the water. And the rest outside of the square was just like you would assume a normal river would be. But I even took video and it never turned out. Uh, You could hear sound, but no image was showing of the lights or anything like that. And I do remember that it was originally one object and it broke into four pieces not eight i still can't explain it and my driver i was with laughed at me and was making fun of me saying the aliens were gonna come and get me because i realized what was happening but i looked it up and i couldn't find anything on it and i don't know if anyone's seen this or if anyone you know has similar stories from the area That's my story. I just thought I'd submit it. But I really love the podcast, and I can't wait to hear more stories. You guys are great. Thanks. Bye. Thank you, Corrine. She added in a follow-up phone call that, ironically, was too poor of a connection to use, that she took dozens of photos as well, only to have them show up completely blank or black in this instance. She also sent in a link to a video from another witness 
that captured the activity that evening. Now, my initial thought here is that we were simply seeing some skydivers diving at night with flares or lights somehow attached to their bodies. Check out the video for yourself and see what you think it might be. But thank you again, Kareen, for keeping your eyes peeled and for sharing your experience. Our next submission of the evening takes us to New England. The following is Debbie's submission. Hi, Derek. My name is Debbie, and my story goes back a ways. And it's not my story, it's my dad's story, but he's told it numerous times. So my son and I put together a summary of what happened. So this goes back to 1959 or thereabouts. My dad was about 19 years old. He was taking classes during the day and then working in the evenings and afternoons for a friend of the family that had a delivery company supplying all sorts of things out to Cape Cod. So these were the days before main highways, traffic lights, street lights, anything like that. So he and my grandfather were driving a really old box truck, probably from the 1940s, from Boston to Cape Cod. They left in the evening, early, late afternoon, drove out to Cape Cod, which was one lane roads there and back through small towns, through the Cranberry Bogs with the ocean, unloaded the truck and were coming back probably maybe two, three o'clock in the morning. This truck had sealed beam headlights, which were round and on the bumper, which not very bright, they cast a, a yellowish light. So just to, no traffic lights, no street lights, very little traffic. I think it was probably off season, so maybe September, something like that. Um, no traffic on the roads. So they were heading back, as I say, about 2, 3 o'clock in the morning. They were both sleeping. They had both worked during the day. They were doing this in the evening and coming through the cranberry box, which were also starting to get very foggy. Um, my dad actually had to hang out the window, grab onto the fender, and have a flashlight positioned down on the road so that my grandfather could see the lines on the road, and he would yell out if he were you know, starting to, to drift off into the bogs. So that's sort of giving you the ambiance of the evening. Um, the fog had started to lift, so my dad was able to come back into the cab of the truck, and they both saw something on the side of the road stand up, about seven feet tall, caught very briefly in the headlights, and then they were past it. Probably 10, 15 minutes later, my grandfather said, did you see that? And my dad said, yeah, but I didn't want to say anything. They were both a little kind of freaked out. They looked in the newspapers to see if a bear had escaped from a circus or something. They never saw any accounts of anything. Years later, they both have sort of decided that they think they saw Bigfoot. Again, it was momentary, 
quick flash, but definitely seven feet tall and mysterious. My grandfather was not, he's not here with us anymore. He was not one to believe in anything supernatural. Um, my dad has had other experiences that I can call in later, one with me, others without me. And yeah, so that's my story of possibly the earliest story that you've gotten, 1959. So I hope this makes it onto um, an episode. Thanks so much. Bye. Thank you, Debbie. Bigfoot in Massachusetts, in the words of a famous crazy-haired ufologist, is such a thing even possible? Well, today I have my serious doubts, but 50 years ago, I suppose it's possible. That is, if these creatures exist at all. But back then, the area was much less populated. Fewer people, less vehicles, and more wide-open land could have allowed a creature that large to stay undetected. And believe it or not, Debbie's father's claim is not the only Bigfoot sighting to originate from the Pilgrim State. In fact, there is a region just west of Cape Cod known as the Bridgewater Triangle, an imaginary zone that encompasses most of an area known as Hockamock Swamp. Inside this triangle, all sorts of strange activity has been reported. Ghost sightings, UFOs, small humanoid troll-like creatures, and even the legendary beast himself. Deceased West Bridgewater resident John Baker reported his own Bigfoot sighting while fur trapping in the Hockamock Swamp in the early 1980s. A Boston Herald article featured an interview with Baker concerning his encounter. The following are direct quotes from Baker, read by the article's author, Ed Hayward. Something was following me, and I knew it was big. So I took the boat down a small creek to a dry hill, and it kept moving. I knew it wasn't a human, because when it passed by me, I could smell it. It smelled like skunk, musty and dirty, like it lived in the dirt. My heart was up in my throat. To this day, I don't know what it was, but I know I saw it, and it was out there. That clip comes courtesy of a documentary called The Bridgewater Triangle. I've linked not only this video, but the full documentary itself in tonight's show notes. Perhaps there we may find the answer to the mystery of Debbie's father and grandfather's decades-old experience. Thank you again, Debbie, for sharing. And yes, I do believe that may be the oldest story we've received to date. Now as we cruise on down the highway, we need to stop off at Jesse's for a warehouse pickup. The following is his experience. Hi Derek, my name is Jesse. You were looking for submissions for the uh, truck driver episode coming up. I don't know if this will necessarily count. Experiences that I had were at my terminal before I would leave for work and after I'd get back from my run for the day. So I ran overnight did it for years. That's It's just the only way of trucking for me. I love it. This place that I worked at, the building was run down. It was unoccupied for years, and then they purchased it. Um, we needed an upgrade in size from where we were, so um, they bought it, you know, cleaned it up. We came in there. 
Obviously, it still needed some fixing up to do, but it worked for what we had. I knew there was something wrong with it right off the bat. It, it just it felt like you were being watched at all times. And um, my run, unfortunately, I was there by myself when I came in and when I got back. And uh, we were tasked with unloading our trailers once we got back. That's most companies have you do that. And uh, I'd be there for about an hour, maybe two, before I had anybody else get back. 2017, I started there. It was probably a week or two after I started that I started to um, experience the stuff going on there. First thing that I, I can think of right off the top of my head, I was using the restroom, finished up, and I washed my hands the whole night. Turned around to, to exit the bathroom, and I noticed there was a shadow. Okay, like as if somebody was in there with me, I outside the door. It, it, it walked in front of the door and it just stopped and then stayed there. And I, I didn't know what was going on. I was supposed to be there by myself for, like I said, an hour or two hours before anybody came back. Um, I didn't hear anybody walking, anything like that. Then it just kind of moved along. And the direction that it went, there was, there was nothing in that part of the building. There was no entrance, no exit. It was just another office. I was a little bit, a little bit disturbed by it, but I just figured out, you know, Maybe one of my managers had to come in for something. So I went out and I looked and there was nothing there. Okay, so, kind of, ah, whatever. Maybe they came, maybe they left. I just didn't notice. So, then then, then I started to hear things. Um, I hear boots as if people were walking. There would be nobody there. I'd hear the doors opening and slamming constantly. And, I mean, everybody, everybody knew about that. That was just kind of a common thing there. I heard a little kid laughing. That was really disturbing. That happened That happened a handful of times. But then it started to get a little bit more aggressive. I don't know what was going on in that building before we occupied it, but whatever it was, wasn't happy we were there, especially me. I mean, I was there by myself. So I remember I was running forklift, getting stuff unloaded. You could see the office office would overlook the dock, you know. And we would just leave the lights on 24-7. Um, we didn't have any management or anything in there at night. Like I said, it would probably be about five-hour period in between when I would leave and when I'd get back. And um, I just remember seeing the lights. They would almost sequentially turn off as I was passing. And it, it, it that, was, that was really, really weird. I, I don't know what was causing that. You know, again, it could have just been, you know, bad lighting or what have you, but it was it was as I was passing it by. It was insane. That was so strange. I was on the phone with the, one of the other drivers, actually, and it was like somebody was standing next to me and just screamed, just a guttural just scream right in my face. And uh, I just left. I, I couldn't, I couldn't, after that, I couldn't, I couldn't do it anymore. I, I had to leave. And, uh, I remember one of my last nights there, I, I was leaving and, you know, I mean, obviously there's a gate and stuff, you know, close it over. And I saw a light, okay, and, and it was big. It was, it, was, it was an amber color and it was behind the building and it was moving methodically, just very slowly. And I'm watching this light and I'm thinking, is there somebody in there? Is there somebody inside this, this terminal that I don't know about, you know, behind the building in the, in the yard there? Another driver, possibly. Like I said, I, I wasn't hanging around there any longer by myself. 
so I'm watching this light move, and it's moving methodically. It was it was slow and it was elevated, but it wasn't you know in the sky or anything like that. Maybe seven, eight feet off the ground. And I'm watching this light as it's just kind of slowly going behind the building. And I, I'm not going back in there to find out what's going on. So I kind of drove up the road a little bit. And there was another parking lot next to our facility. And so I kind of pulled in there. And I watched the light come out the other side of the building. And then it just it disappeared. I, I don't know what was going on there. I, I know I still keep in touch with some of the guys. And, um, they, they still don't know what's happening they don't feel comfortable there i i don't know i i don't know what what could be going on like i said that place was abandoned for a while i don't know if there was you know some kind of satanic stuff going on in there i, I don't know but yeah I, I wasn't i wasn't sticking around there to find out that honestly made me leave that company and go somewhere else i i I don't, I don't ever want to go through that again, and I, I hope nobody else ever experiences anything like that. That was, that was just pure fear and terror, you know. And I'm leaving out so much. There was so much that went on there, but that's just the stuff I could think of right off the top of my head. Um, I absolutely love the show, listening to it for, geez, for years now. Um, thank you very much for taking our stories and listening to us. Hopefully we keep going for a long time. Thank you. Thank you, Jesse. It is very difficult to determine or even speculate what is causing the strange activity that Jesse experienced. But I will say that there might be a logical explanation for at least the amber light that he saw behind the building. Perhaps he simply saw someone wearing a headlamp Maybe another driver outside tending to his truck before he clocks in for the day. Now at a distance, these lights can seem otherworldly. They seem to sometimes bob up and down and even smoothly glide around as the unbeknownst to wear walks around the area. But of course, close up, it should be quite evident that it's some sort of flashlight that Jesse was seeing. So essentially, it sounds like Jesse may be the only one with a chance to identify what he saw, and it sounds like he's not sure himself. Either way, the story was terrifying, so thank you, Jesse, for taking the time to send it in. Our next stop of the evening takes us to the state of Illinois to hear about a truck that just might be haunted. The following submission comes from Mac in the land of Lincoln. Hey, Derek. It's Mac from Central Illinois again. I was just listening to your Season 5, Episode 14, I believe it was, and one of the stories in there, I don't know why, it reminded me of something that happened. Uh, I was listening to one of the stories where it was just one of those, you know, it was scary then, but you could laugh about it later. So, back in about... uh, 86, 87, I believe. Uh, a friend and I were watching uh, Maximum Overdrive one night. Uh, it's a Stephen King movie, if people aren't familiar with it. But, uh, the main character was a, a semi-truck with a big goblin head on it. And uh, you know, the premise of the story was that uh, machines came to life and started killing people. Well, we watched that, 
Well, we're young, early teens, so we're scared out of our wits. Well, the very next day, we go for a walk. I think we went to the park or something, and down the end of the street, on the other side, is an old abandoned gas station. So we come walking up to that, and as we're walking up, of course, this movie's still fresh in our minds, we look up, and there's two semis parked side by side in the back lot. Now, for us to get across the street where we were going, we had to cross in front of those semis. So we hesitated for a second. We started kind of laughing about it. And we're like, oh, come on. This can't, can't be real. Nothing's going to happen. Well, I kid you not. We go walking. We get dead in front of the second truck. And it starts up. We look up. Deer in the headlights. Just mortified. Waiting for that truck to move. No driver in the seat. So we stood there just frozen in terror for, oh, it had to be a minute at least. And then slowly we started walking away. We got out of there and we just kind of left it behind us. Kind of forgot about it. I only told that story to a handful of people that would listen. But years later, as I grew up and learned about trucks and became a driver myself, I realized what had happened. As I look back on it now, I remember the style of the truck. And as we walked in front of it, as it started, now I realize it was a refrigerator truck. The refrigerator on top of the, the cab had started to cool off whatever was in the back. Well, you can laugh about it now, but then to a you know early teenager just drop dead it's gonna run us over terrifying moment all right Derek have a good one thank you thank you Mac it's awfully funny how a situation as benign as two sleeping trucks can appear terrifying and nefarious when your young imagination takes over it makes me wonder how many other past paranormal experiences were simple misunderstandings Thank you again, Mac, for taking the time to share. And thank you for your honesty about the actual origins of your spooky experience. Our next call comes to us from the plains of South Dakota. The following was submitted anonymously. This happened about ten years ago. I hauled cattle and during this time I was doing a job for a Native American tribe in South Dakota. I had been to this reservation several times and knew where I was going. Once I turned off the main four lane highway onto a long two lane, I knew it was a two hour drive to a diner truck stop type place on the outskirts of the reservation. I had been driving about 30 minutes when the lights on my radio started acting funny, blinking and so on. I reached up and turned it off thinking I had a short. A few minutes later, the radio started flashing again, and that's when I noticed in my passenger mirror a greenish-yellow glow moving up behind me. Thinking this was a car, I didn't think much about it until this light completely engulfed my truck for what seemed like several minutes, and then, just as quick as it appeared, it was gone. Now at this point, I had been on this two-lane road for at least an hour and should have had at least another hour to drive, but as I shook off what had just happened, I noticed the lights of the truck stop ahead of me. I geared down and pulled in, parked and walked inside and tried my best to dismiss what I had saw and the fact I made a two hour drive in an hour flat. 
I later verified the time with my logbook, and again I had lost or gained an hour in time. To this day, I'm not sure what happened. Thank you, caller. Sounds like something out of Close Encounters of the Third Kind, or something along those lines. The element of missing time to this story certainly makes one wonder if something extraterrestrial may have been involved, or perhaps it was our old friends, the Mirrored Men. I think it's prudent that I add that this written submission was performed by our talented voice artist, Warren Pon Abbott. Warren's actually going to get a little bit of action later on in this episode. Thank you again, caller, for taking the time to share your story. Our next tale comes to us in the written form. The following is a submission by Dennis in the state of California. Hey there, my name is Dennis and I'm currently a local truck driver for the state of California hauling petroleum to Long Beach Harbor in El Segundo. I was traveling on the 710 northbound at around 2 in the morning when something lit up half of the freeway facing in front of me. This thing came out of nowhere and disappeared out of nowhere and was about 3 seconds long. All the cars traveling with me slow down to take a look at this glowing ball with a long tail behind it. The ball was white in the middle, greenish and bluish on the outsides, with a tail being purple. I feel this part I'm going to say next is weird, because it was falling down so fast, but it came from half the sky and coming toward the freeway, but disappeared before touching the pavement. It seemed to have come out of one wormhole and into another. I looked down to the car next to me, and the lady looked up with confused eyes, so I just shrugged and kept on driving. But it's always baffled me. It's been something I've never been able to explain away. You have a great show. Keep up the great work. Thanks again for reading my sighting. Dennis. Well, thanks, Dennis. I know that area really well, actually, and I highly, highly recommend you pick up an El Tarasco burrito if you're in that area. I really enjoyed this story because it jarred loose a memory I had completely forgotten about, something similar that I saw when I was a teenager. It had to have been 1998 or 99, and I was driving west on Interstate 70 over the Muskingum River in Zanesville, Ohio. Suddenly, there was an almost cartoonish fireball that shot from left to right across the sky. Now I was driving in what I thought then constituted as quote-unquote traffic, so I wasn't able to get a long look at this thing. But I remember it looking like I'd expect to see out of a movie. Like I said, almost cartoonish. Strangely, there was no mention of it in our local paper or news the next day. Or ever, to my knowledge. Now I have no doubt that it was extraterrestrial, but sadly, I think it was most likely a ball of metal. Thank you again, Dennis, for sharing that tale. And it's at this mark that we hit our midway point on this journey. But keep the pedal to the floor because I have some great calls to share on the back end. But before we do, though, I have a few announcements. Do not forget to follow Monsters Among Us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And of course, you don't want to miss out on the Facebook fan group. That's where most of the real action takes place. 
And speaking of Facebook, the results for a friendly competition between the two coasts have finally come in, and it looks like the East has won decidedly. I believe the Easterners took the title by a whopping 60%. Thanks again to all those that voted and participated. I have some great news. The Mirrored Men shirts have been ordered, and they're supposed to reach me by early next week, which means early next week they'll be available to you. And for this batch, I decided let's put a little spin on it so these babies glow in the dark. So be sure to hit the shop tab on the website, which is monstersamonguspodcast.com early next week to pick up yours. And lastly, if you love Monsters Among Us, please consider signing up for Patreon for bonus content, purchasing something from our shop, or sending in a donation. And for those not looking to invest, how about a nice five-star rating and some kind words. Support from listeners like you not only keeps the lights on here in the studio, but also keeps the episodes coming week in and week out. So a huge thank you to all those that have supported in the past. Without you, we wouldn't be where we are today. All right, we're all fueled up. Got a fresh, hot cup of coffee. We're back on the road. And to kick off the back half, we send it on over to Ryan in the state of North Carolina. Hey, Derek, it's uh, Ryan. Second time I've called. Really enjoy the show from North Carolina. As I mentioned in my last call, I drive a truck, so I'm over the road. You know, a lot of driving at night, crazy hours. I wanted to share a black dog story with you that I just experienced a couple weeks ago. I was uh, in Kane, Pennsylvania. It's northern Pennsylvania, a few miles off of I-80. I was actually picked up a load of lumber up there and was taking it down to uh, South Carolina. I was traveling down uh, Highway 219, which runs from uh, Kane down to um, Interstate 80, like I say, heading towards South Carolina. Highway 219 uh, cuts through a couple of small towns. It's very, just a two-lane road, very wooded on both sides. I was in a straightaway, and it was uh, about 2.30 in the morning, I guess, uh, pretty late. and wasn't, you know, many cars on the road, nothing like that. So, like I say, I was in a little straightaway, and um, so up ahead, I see what looked like to me was a bear standing in the road. So as I get a little bit closer, I'm probably running about 40 miles an hour. Um, I notice that it's not a bear, it's a huge black dog. When I say it's huge, I mean, as I got closer, I could tell that its back was about even of the hood of my semi-truck. Just to kind of give you an idea, the hood of my semi-truck is about five and a half feet because I'm six feet and it comes up, you know, about right at my neck. So I got slowed down and I got stopped about probably 15 feet from it. And, you know, I turned my bright lights on. Well, it turned its head and it looked at me and I noticed that where its eyes should have been, it was just black. Like, both of its eyes were just black. It had no eyes whatsoever. Um, it just kind of glanced at me for, I want to say, you know, five to eight seconds, and then just kind of shook its head 
and walked very slowly off the road. And as I slowly pulled up, I went right beside the road where it, you know, kind of walked off in the woods and it was just gone. And there was a, like the little opening there. So I still should have been able to see it, but I definitely did not see it. <laughs> Don't really know if I was just really tired or what. I definitely know that's what I saw, and it was just really freaky to me. Uh, but anyway, hope you enjoyed it. Love the podcast. I'll continue to listen every week while I'm running the roads. Have a good one. Thank you, Ryan. I can't help but recall Kevin from Vermont's call from a few seasons back, in which he detailed a very similar experience. So what are these black dogs? A majority of these black dog legends seem to come from English folklore. Either way, the story is downright fascinating. So thank you, Ryan, for keeping your eyes open and for reporting what you saw. By the way, I actually did a deep dive interview with Kevin in Vermont about his experience for a recent Patreon episode. A $4 monthly pledge will give you access to not only that episode, but at least 19 others. And get this, you can cancel anytime you want. So go to patreon.com, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com, and search for Monsters Among Us Podcast. And remember, each Patreon pledge goes a long way to pay for the operating cost of the show, which as these episodes get longer and longer, those costs go higher and higher. Now our next tale comes from the trucker that actually inspired this special episode. You may remember this caller's previous entry about what she thought was a Sasquatch trying to break into her big rig while she slept inside. Well, the following is Mickey's harrowing story about a creepy truck stop. This is Mickey from the state of Oregon. Hi, this story is for the Stories from the Road episode. This is Mickey from Springfield, Oregon, and I'm calling about an experience that I had at a truck stop. I had shut down at a truck stop, I believe it was in Arkansas, and it was probably between 2006, 2007, somewhere in there. I was a trainer, so usually I had someone with me, but this time I was solo. And so I needed a shower, and so I went into this truck stop. The truck stop was an older truck stop, but part of it had been remodeled. To describe it for truckers, I don't remember the name of the truck stop or what city it was in. It was a long white building, kind of T-shaped because it had the storefront was the the top of the T. And then it had a long two-story white building going out from that. If you went into the store, there was like a stairway that led up to a balcony, a big balcony that was remodeled and it was the trucker's lounge. And then a long hallway where the showers were. So I paid for my shower and I I took my shower bag and I went upstairs. I believe it was probably shower number two or three. It was pretty close to the trucker's lounge. And all the showers were to the right. So I, I went into the shower room and basically it was... So if you walk in the door, on the right side there was a little sink with a little small counter on, you know, either side of the sink. And then a toilet on the right and then the shower was at the end of the room and took up the whole end of the room so you just it was a small area but it was 
you know, I deadbolt the door. I was, it was private in there. And so I took the change out of my pocket and I put it on the right side of the sink. I always put it on the right side of the sink. And um, and put it on the right side of the sink. And then I closed the toilet lid, put my shower bag, which was just a small duffel bag, on the toilet lid. And then I put the towel on top of that so I could reach it from the shower. It had a it had towel racks, but they were further away from the shower. And so I, I didn't want to use that hook. So I, I went in and I was taking my shower. And in the middle of the shower, I was probably rinsing out my hair or something, I heard a clink. And so I opened up the shower curtain and I couldn't see anything out of place or anything and nobody was in there and and so I, I continued my shower and when I came out of the shower um, the change had been moved from the right side of the sink to the left side of the sink and there was one dime in the sink the shower bag had been moved from the toilet seat to up against it was sitting up against the door so no one had come in there and done that because they wouldn't have been able to get back out the door and have the shower bag right there so that was weird and then the towel was hanging on the hook <laughs> so it was weird and I and so I came out of the shower and I dried off and I just kind of laughed it off I and I looked I looked to see if someone could have been in there because that creeped me out. Um, so I, I looked to see if a ceiling tile had been moved, but it wasn't that kind of tiles. It was, uh, you know, they were sound dampening tiles, but they weren't movable. And so no one could have gotten in there from the from the attic or anything. There was no way anybody could have gotten in there. It was still dead bolted and locked. <laughs> so it was just a really weird thing that happened to me. And I thought about talking to the the guy at the desk when I left, but, you know, how do you bring that up? And so I just kind of found it very interesting. I wasn't, like, super creeped out or scared. The, I mean, the creepiest thing was that someone could have come in there, but no one did, I don't think. Yeah, so that's what happened. So love the podcast, and keep up the good work. Thank you. Bye. Thank you, Mickey. Talk about making a vulnerable situation. Even worse. Now Sarah and I do a good bit of camping, so I visited some camp showers that were almost that creepy. And just like Kevin's call from Vermont, I also did a deep dive with Mickey, where he actually discussed this very story, as if you needed another reason to sign up. Thank you again, Mickey. I really enjoy each and every one of your stories. Now, our next submission of the evening has us taking I-40 North to the state of Tennessee. The following was submitted anonymously. Hey, Derek. I just want to say I love your show. I've been binge listening for a while now, and I just got caught up. And... uh I heard you say you was going to do a trucker episode, and I've been driving a truck for about 25 years, and I've been with the same company for about 22 years. I'm not going to say the name of the company, but we uh, it's in Tennessee, and back in 2004, I believe it was, uh, <clears throat> our company has a warehouse, a big uh, 
200,000 square feet warehouse and uh, I had to hook up to a trailer from the, the dock door and pull it out and I have a key to the warehouse so I went in early that morning it was four o'clock in the morning and I had a couple hour drive to deliver my load so I pulled the trailer out of the dock and uh, I had to use the restroom so I unlocked the door and went inside of course all the lights was off except for a couple of security lights and I went to the bathroom and of course there was nobody in the warehouse there was nobody in the offices and there's only like five or six people that had keys at that time uh, so I go into the bathroom and the men's bathroom is a big bathroom it has you know sinks for washing your hands and uh, urinals and you know and it has stalls to go in and sit down and so I go in and sit down and of course the stalls are just petitions that are uh, up off the floor about I'd say 12 18 inches and then they don't go all the way to the ceiling they, they only go about you know just a little overhead high so I'm sitting in the stall doing my business and hadn't been in there maybe a minute and the bathroom door opens and and it, uh, it closes just like somebody walked in you know and of course it has that hydraulic uh, arm that pulls the door shut and it of course when it pulls shut it has a distinctive sound of kind of slamming a little bit and so it slams and I'm like who in the world would be in here at four o'clock in the morning and knowing the office people like I did, no one would be there unless, unless somebody's life was uh, in jeopardy, if you know what I mean. Uh, and no other local drivers has keys to the, uh, to the building. So anyway, I hear the door slam shut, and I'm, you know, who in the world? So I give it a, a second or two, and I don't hear no footsteps. And I'm like, well, are they just standing there by the door? So just like anybody else would do, I uh, leaned over to look under the petition. And of course, no one was standing there. I walked, after I got done, I got, you know, uh, I walked out of the bathroom and walked into the warehouse, lights was all off. And I said, hello? nothing and I walked over to the door that I came in and the side door it was locked so I went to the offices all the lights was off all the doors was locked no cars outside or nothing and uh, I asked my boss later you know that day uh, reckon who it could have been or and he said well it was probably just the wind well mind you there was no wind outside and there was no one around so that was very strange and uh i had one more uh story that happened in the in the warehouse and this of course this was a couple of years later but uh, i say that i'm running out of time so i will uh call back later with that one thanks thank you caller talk about another situation where you're completely vulnerable 
I'm also thinking that this is probably the worst possible scenario to have a ghostly encounter. Sort of caught with your pants down, so to speak. Now this story makes me very curious about the area that the warehouse is located now. And has me wondering, what's that there before? And I've probably mentioned this a hundred times, but if you go to your local library, uh, over there they'll usually help you out in figuring out exactly what sat there before the building was built. Now before we hit our next stop for the evening, I want to briefly mention that I received at least twice as many entries as what you're hearing tonight. And surprisingly, I received not only enough to do this special trucker episode, but enough to do a through the windshield episode later this season. So if you called in and didn't hear your story tonight, I'm saving it for that special episode. But while I prepare for that, I think it's time for our next assignment. The trucker episode produced such amazing stories that I have to try this again. So now I call out to all hunters, fishermen, hikers, outdoorsmen, and outdoors women. What did you experience while out in the wild? Now when submitting your clip, be sure to use the phrase spooky outdoors so that I can be sure to correctly file your submission. I have a funny feeling that this is going to get pretty wild. And before we move on, I gotta talk about this real quick. I read something on a Facebook group yesterday about a police officer in the state of New Mexico that pulled over a young lady that may or may not have been speeding. And as he approached the vehicle, he noticed she was wearing a Monsters Among Us t-shirt. Well, not only did they spark up a conversation about the show, but he was nice enough to let her off with a warning. So, whoever the officer is out there, thank you for watching over other Amongsters, and please, be careful out there. And speaking of crazy things, check out this amazing story from south of the border. The following was submitted anonymously. Hey Derek, I was just listening to your podcast and I heard you're trying to find people with uh, trucker stories. Anyways, this is not my story. This is actually a uh, family friend. We call him uh, Don Juan. He was from Mexico. He was trucker down there back in, uh, I think it was 85, 86 or something like that. So the story goes that uh, Don Juan used to uh, drive basically from one state to another on a daily basis, essentially. I forgot what he was transporting, corn or something. I forgot what it was exactly. But he had one of those big 18-wheeler, big red trucks. And he was driving down uh, one of the highways down there. And basically, uh, growing up, I heard the story like a million, billion times. But uh, So Don Juan was uh, driving, and it was like pitch black, middle of the night, freaking you know, middle of nowhere, Mexico. Essentially, you know, what happened was that he was slowing down because he was getting up to a curb or something. I don't remember exactly what exactly happened, but he was getting to this curb and he was going really slow. And all of a sudden, like out of the corner of his eye, coming out of this curb was this giant black shadow bath. And so he like slammed the brake on this thing and it wasn't going too fast, but it was, he was going fast enough that he was going to hit whatever this black thing was. And so, you know, he's driving this big rig, and then the whole big rig, like, shook. And so, basically, ran over something, and he's, like, freaking out. He thought it was a person or maybe a dog or something, but it was huge. And, you know, he was saying that 
basically it was so big and that he, you know, thought it was probably because he had one of those really big semi trucks. And he said it went up to like the top of the, the hood. So I imagine it would be like, you know, five, six feet tall. So anyways, he gets out of the truck after he fully stops. He looks around. He can't find anything. And he's like, what the hell? What, I, what the hell did I hit or whatever? And, you know, he goes, uh, you know, walks like a good path trying to see where, you know, he hit this thing. And so basically he just tries to find it. And, you know, eventually, you know, he looks at the trucks like, well, maybe he didn't hit anything. Maybe he hit like a tumbleweed or something. And he looks at his truck and there's these giant claw marks on it. You know, he basically was like, what the hell was that, right? And uh, so he then gets in his truck and starts driving. And somewhere along the line, he noticed uh, in his rear mirror that there was some weird black thing hanging off the back of the big rig. And he's like, what the, you know? And so he stops the big rig and gets off and goes back there and he looks for whatever the hell was hanging off the side of the truck and can't find anything. So anyways, uh, long story short, he goes off and basically tells his boss, hey, I crashed into something, don't know what the hell it was. And uh, so anyway, so basically his description of when he could see it in the back rearview mirror was it was big shadowy mass with like, it looked like it had Slenderman claws. And uh, basically, he, you know, drove like two minutes or something like that before he freaked out and stopped and tried to find it. And, uh, yeah, so it became a very uh, famous story for me and my family because we he was like my uncle, essentially. Anyway, so I thought you would uh, like that story. And, uh, yeah, I hope to hear it and uh, keep up with your broadcast. All right, cool. Thanks. Thanks, caller. Now, I distinctly remember a Monster Quest episode detailing a similar experience a police officer had, also in Mexico. Now, according to that witness, however, he claimed a black figure was a witch, or as they're known in Mexican culture, as a bruja. Now, obviously, I'm not claiming that what our witness saw was some sort of witch, but I thought the similarities were too similar not to at least bring up. And if you want to check that episode out, it's actually streaming on Amazon Prime right now. Just search for Season 3, Episode 14 of the History Channel program, Monster Quest, Terror from the Sky. Thank you again, caller, for sharing your friend's tale. So as I was flipping through our trucker logbook, I noticed a written submission by Eli in the state of Texas. Hi Derek, it's Eli. While on a road trip through the Texas Badlands, I saw a cloud of what looked like storm clouds. Not uncommon for the area. However, as I drove, they moved closer. They skirted down the mountain, then rolled across the ground. They engulfed my car, and I could only see a few feet in front of me. My co-pilot was scared, and the radio was just white noise. After what seemed like hours, the clouds lifted and we were miles backwards. Suddenly, we passed a sign that we'd passed half an hour before the clouds overtook us. And our car clock and watches read an hour prior to the time we passed the sign. To this day, I have no idea what happened. 
but I have heard that trucker friends have had the same experience. But most of their stories, they end up forward and not backward like I did. Anyway, I love the show. Hope you enjoy the story from the road. Eli. Thank you, Eli. Like the call from Mexico, this story too reminds me of another television segment. This one from Monsters and Mysteries in America. While I certainly give Monster Quest more clout than I do Monsters and Mysteries, I think the parallels in that story are worth mentioning. In that episode, trucker Terry Aldershoff experienced a strange dark cloud bank that settled over his big rig while traveling down Route 666 in Arizona. He too experienced missing time. He claims he traveled 100 miles and lost 4 hours without noticing either. So, what's going on here? Some claim it to be some sort of electric storm or even a UFO cloaking device. Whatever it is, Eli, I can tell you with utmost certainty that you're not the only one that's experienced it. Now to watch the episode of Monsters and Mysteries I'm referring to, check out the show notes for a link to the complete episode. Thank you again, Eli. From the southwest, we barrel north over the Rockies and eastward to join our neighbors to the north. The following was submitted anonymously from Canada. Hey Derek, I'm from northwestern Ontario, Canada, and I have what I think is a pretty interesting story. This happened around the early morning of March 6, 2019. I was working for a contracting company and I had to drive about 1,500 kilometers round trip to pick up an air compressor from a rail yard in a small town. I can usually do this trip in 18 hours, but due to some problems, this trip took longer and I was still on the road when I hit the 19 hour mark. I was still about two hours from home and there were no gas stations, so I had to bring jerry cans with gas to fuel up. At the 19 hour mark, I needed one last jerry can to get to somewhere I could fuel up. It was about 2 a.m. and I pulled over in a small rest area. It wasn't in or near a town, but there were a few houses in the general area, just people living off the highway. I started filling up my pickup when I thought I heard a high-pitched yell a fair distance away. Kind of freaked me out, but I just chalked it up to being extremely tired and imagining things, as I'd been driving for the better part of the day. A few moments later, I heard the loudest scream or yell I've ever heard. Crashing in the bushes a couple hundred feet behind me occurred a couple seconds later. Then all of the dogs in the area just went crazy barking. I didn't even finish emptying the gas into my pickup. I just tossed it into the bed, jumped into the truck, and drove away. I didn't even put the cap back on and close the fuel hatch. I had to pull over a few kilometers down the road to do it. Safe to say, I wasn't tired after that. I drove, white-knuckling the steering wheel the rest of the way to the gas station, and it was a company card fuel station so it was unmanned. It took all the courage I had to get out of the truck to fuel up. The first yell was higher pitched and I honestly thought it was a woman screaming, but the second one was so loud and deep you could feel it in your chest. I've spent plenty of time in the woods and have heard plenty of animals in our area including moose, bear, and wolves. And I've never heard anything like that. I ended my workday at the 21 hour mark and it still took about two hours to finally fall asleep when I was home in my own bed. I was that 
terrified. Love the podcast. Keep it up. Thank you, caller. I know we've explored these strange sounds and screams ad nauseum over the past few years, but this story does a great job of putting these alarming screams in context. Now, sure, it's easy for me to YouTube a cougar scream and claim that that was the source, but when you're out there, alone with these sounds, they take on an entirely different vibe. I've heard it reported as people think their lives are in danger. And you know what? They just might be. Thank you again, caller, for taking the time to share that story. Our next story sends us west. The following is Big G's submission from the state of Arizona. I go by the name Big G. I'm from South Tucson, Arizona. I'm not a truck driver, but I'm a mechanic who works on over-the-road trucks that come from all over the United States. My job offers a 24-hour roadside service to truckers who break down on the road, so occasionally I get calls real late at night or early morning to work. There have been some strange things that have happened here. I've witnessed shadows, voices, lights being turned on and off, and the feeling of being watched. Now mind you, shop hours are 6am to 8pm, so when these accounts happen, I'm the only one there. One story I have that I can share is one night I just finished fixing a truck and was doing some paperwork before closing the shop. While I was at the computer, I heard a door slam. After the door slammed, the lights started to flicker on one by one in my direction. I went to look thinking it was the driver I just dealt with. No one was there. I checked all the doors, and the doors were still all locked. I brushed it off and went back to my paperwork, but soon after, I started to hear whispers in the distance. Thinking I was about to be robbed, I grabbed my knife and a really big wrench and went to investigate. Still no one was there. I finished my paperwork, locked the shop up, and left. Where I work, it's a brand new building. It was built from the ground up in 2015. I know a building was torn down in order to put up this shop, but I don't know the history of the land here. Now the shop has motion sensing lights that turn on when there are movements. I used to think that bugs were the cause of the lights turning on at random, but I've seen where the lights would shut off even though the bugs would be flying around the lights. As far as the voices, I've ruled out the idea of a radio being left on. Several times, that has happened. I've checked the trucks, and the batteries are sometimes disconnected or the key is off altogether. It's strange. Thanks a lot for taking the time to share my story. I'm a big fan. I've binge-listened the podcast religiously when I found it. I got many more stories to come. Thanks, and take care. Thank you, Big G. Love the name, by the way. Like the previous warehouse stories, I think finding out what stood there before the current building was constructed is a great first step in solving some of these mysteries. As I always say, the ground never forgets. Also, a huge thank you to Warren for performing this submission as well. Thank you to both gentlemen. And just like that, we're in the home stretch. We've reached the final call of the evening. And ironically, the following brings this whole thing full circle. We end this, basically, the way we started it. The following is Teresa's call from Canada. 
story is not my own. It was told to me by my uncle, who has since passed on. His name was Frank, and he was just a well-loved member of our family. He was always funny, he always made us laugh, and he always told us stories. He was um, a long-haul trucker, and he had many stories about his time on the road. Um, I was very young, but I still remember many of the stories he told. Unfortunately, some of them have faded over time, but this one always stood out and really scared me. I remember it well, as if it was told to me yesterday, actually. Even today, when driving on the highway late at night, I think of this story. And then I picture it in my mind, this thing that he described seeing on the side of the road. And then I step down just a bit harder on the gas. It was very late one at night, and Frank, who was a veteran driver, was in his semi trying to get his load to the, his final destination. Um, he didn't like driving this late at night, but he was a bit behind schedule. He linked up with a small, within a small convoy of late night truckers. Um, he always said that working long haul can be kind of lonely. So the drivers would talk to each other uh, on their CB radios for just, just so the miles would go faster. Frank and the driver of the truck directly behind him started up a friendly conversation. They introduced each other. They talked about lots of stuff. Um, uh, what about their, what they were hauling, where they were headed, um, you know, who were waiting for them when they got home again. They were both thankful to have each other, apparently, on, the, on during the night, keep each other awake and that kind of thing, just some radio companionship. Uh, once the banter kind of finally slowed down, Frank was kind of left with his own thoughts. Uh, the road he was on was very, very dark, and it was actually quite narrow. He was thinking how it uh, seemed kind of creepy um, as he was kind of keeping an eye on the truck behind him. It was then that he noticed that his friend was slowing down, dropping back a bit from their small convoy. Um, Frank started to slow down himself to see, let his friend catch up a bit and make sure everything was all right. As he geared down, um, he was actually thrown around the idea of whether he should pull over to the shoulder uh, when he noticed his lights reflecting on something in the ditch up ahead. Um, as he got closer to it, he could see what he thought might be a person. Its shape was kind of like someone standing in the ditch beside the road. His truck continued to slow down, and he was actually got close enough that he could start seeing more details. What he saw frightened him more than anything he said he had ever witnessed before. In the ditch was a huge figure about seven or eight feet tall. It was loosely shaped, kind of like a person, but the head gently kind of sloped down on either side of the shoulders as if he was wearing, I don't know, some kind of garment that flowed covering any of the details of a neck. As he approached closer, he attempted to make out facial details and he was actually quite horrified to see that where the face should be, there was absolutely nothing but blackness. Kind of like a hole where the face should be. 
he got quite scared. And he, he said, I'm not pulling over here. He stepped on the gas, and, and he said he couldn't get away fast enough. In his rearview mirror, he watched while his friend, too, passed the thing on the side of the road. And he wondered if he saw it, too. And he radioed his friend behind him. And he said, uh, is everything okay back there? And his friend, yes. And he said, uh, didn't want to talk about it because he didn't want to be the first to talk about what he saw. He didn't want the guy to think he was crazy. So he asked, he said, hey, uh, I think there's a good diner up ahead. He said, do you want to stop for coffee? And the, his friend said, yeah, yeah, I'd love to. Let's, let's do that. So Frank was the first to pull into the parking lot and he stepped in to the this, a typical highway truck stop in order to coffee for himself and his, and his friend who he knew was coming. As soon as his friend arrived, uh, he walked through the door and he could see the look of fear on this guy's face. And he knew he had seen it too. So they sat together quietly, quietly as neither one of them wanted to bring it up first. Finally, my uncle got the courage up to say, Well, did you see it? Without making eye contact, his friend slowly put down his coffee cup, rubbed his day-old beard, and pulled his baseball cap just a little bit farther down over his eyes, and he said, What the hell was that? He saw it too, and both agreed not to discuss it with anyone else for now, for fear of being thought they were crazy. This was my uncle's story. I'd love to know if anyone else has seen or heard anything even similar. I have to say this is something that I certainly wouldn't want to see at the side of the road. I understand you are recently married, so I wish you both, you and your new wife, all the best in the future. Thank you, Teresa, and thank you for the kind words. I find it rather strange that we started the evening with a Bigfoot-slash-trucker story. A story that describes some sort of creature rising from a ditch alongside the road, just in time for a trucker to see it. And ironically, we end with a very similar experience. Now I imagine with all the eyes on the road, all the men and women out there transporting our goods, I have no doubt they've seen things. Things beyond explanation, things beyond comprehension, and things beyond even description. And if tonight's sampling of calls was any indication, we're merely scratching the surface of this treasure trove of amazing stories. So stay safe out there, stay alert, stay vigilant, and above all else, Keep your eyes open. Over and out. And that's going to do it for this episode. Monsters Among Us is written and produced by me, Derek Hayes. Additional support is provided by Warren Pon Abbott, Tony Bell, and Addie Lloyd. All audio used in this production is done so under the protection of fair use. And the terrifying music that you're hearing well, it's Coag music. Thank you all for listening, and until next week. 
I figured, let's keep this segment going in season 8. I can tell you, the story is not going to disappoint. The submitter asked that his name be removed, but he's submitting from Canada. Hi, I'm from Swift Current, Saskatchewan, Canada. Now, let's get into my story. It was two years ago and I was working late, about two hours north of Gall Lake, Saskatchewan. I managed a small oil rig and we were doing repairs on a well near the Montana border. We finished up and started heading back to our shop. I drive the rig and my crew follows behind in a half ton. At 11.30ish, about 10 kilometers south of Shonavon, a small town south of Gall Lake, I crested a hill and saw the silhouettes of a person a split second before my headlights caught it. I would describe her as a young lady, hair just past shoulder length, with a striking figure, the kind that most women would strive for. I performed what I would call a risky maneuver for heavy equipment. I quickly swerved to the oncoming lane, left foot into the clutch and hard on the brakes, hoping to be pointed away from this potential pedestrian. I come from a very small town, around 200 people, a farming, ranching, and mining community. So I've been running equipment my whole life. I would not do this for nothing. The rig came to a full stop and I grabbed my flashlight off the controls and hopped out to check on this girl. My crew truck pulls up and all four of us search the ditches and road. This is Saskatchewan, so it's just rolling prairie farmland as far as you can see. So she couldn't have been hiding in the trees or anything like that. I began to panic that I hit her, so I ran back to my rig. I looked under and all around for signs of blood, scratches, or anything like that, but we found nothing. At this point, my crew began to make fun of me, saying that I was losing it, but I knew that I saw something. And at this point, we decided to carry on and assumed it was either nothing or maybe some teens screwing around. About 30 minutes down the road, Halfway between Shanavan and Gall Lake, I began to feel that eerie feeling when your spine tightens up and your neck starts to feel like it needs to stretch and move your head around. I couldn't help but feel like I should look out my back window. I turned my head, and right there, right in on the rig carrier, I assume is the same girl staring at me through the glass window. Once again, I brought the big rig to a full stop but not before metaphorically in my pants. When the rig stopped, she was gone. I got back out of the cab and climbed around the carrier looking for her. At this point, my crew was getting annoyed with me and told me to snap out of it, so we carried on back to our shop in Gall Lake without incident. We worked late to finish the job so we would have the following day off. It was summertime and I had just purchased a new Sea-Doo, and I was looking forward to a day on the water with my wife and kids. And here's a little side story that might be interesting. The night before this incident occurred, an elderly woman went missing on that same highway. She was elderly and it was broadcast all over the radio and social media. I had seen her picture and I was aware of it. But as I said, I was thinking of going to the lake. My green hand at the time, a young guy local to the Gall Lake area, had told his father about our experience and his father became concerned and passed my number along to the family. Of the missing woman. The following morning, as I was filling up my truck in Sea-Doo, I received a call from the woman's family asking me to retell what I had seen. 
in case it could help. Not an easy story to tell to a grieving family, especially when you don't want to sound crazy. I just told them that the girl I'd seen was much younger and wished them all the best. We spent the day on the lake, but as I drove home, I heard on the radio that the woman's body was found a few kilometers east in the middle of the field neighboring where her car was found. I can't say the two incidents were related, but it gives me the creeps. Same highway, maybe 70 kilometers apart, a little under an hour's drive away. Why she would be in the middle of a field and what I saw are two things that I cannot stop thinking about. Like a lot of your contributors, I too have had multiple experiences, but for now, this is what I feel comfortable sharing. Thank you for your time. Well, thank you for sharing that story. To be honest, a bit of a logical explanation sort of popped in my head as I was reading this for the third or fourth time. Perhaps there's a young teen that lives in that area that has discovered that she can cause big rigs to stop and then while they're looking for her, she simply climbs on the rig and catches a ride into town. Of course, it's a very risky and possibly illegal venture, but since when does that bother any teen? Thank you again for sharing your story, and thank you for sticking around to the end of the program. Have a great evening. <laughs>